Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and holy podcast, Batman, there is a special guest on this episode. Holy smoke! Holy showcase! Holy haberdashery! Holy popcorn! Yes, that is right. The star of the 1960s Batman TV series, Burt Ward, who played Robin all those years ago and has reprised the role so many times, is on the show today for episode 125. It is incredible. I was super excited to talk to Bert. He is somebody that I've wanted to have on the show for a long time. I grew up watching the 1960s Batman show in reruns, and it is it was a fantastic episode. We get into his experience playing the role, some highlights from his career, and how he has taken being a superhero on TV and translated that into real life by starting Gentle Giants Dog Food Company. So if you go to GentleGiantsDogFood.com right now, you can read all of these great nutritional values that he and his wife, Tracy, spent 25 years learning. You can read it in a few minutes and you can add five to 10 years extra to your dog's life. So we get into all of that and uh, more, more, more great stuff after this. Holy detox interviews, Batman. It's Joe Shaw. Wowie zowie. He's the best. To the Batmobile. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is a real-life superhero, Mr. Burt Ward. He played Robin in the 1960s Batman TV series and has reprised the role and continued to be Robin throughout his life and career. Burt, how are you doing today? I'm fine, citizen. I am so excited for the interview today. There's a lot of questions and a lot of great stuff we're going to get into. We're going to get into Robin, your Hollywood uh, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, Gentle Giants Dog Food Company, all of the great real-life superhero work you're doing. Um, one question I do want to start you out with that I like to ask parents that come on the show uh, is, Bert, what do you think makes a good parent? Uh, someone who is understanding, someone who cares, someone who invests time with your children. I mean, remember, they're living creatures. And, uh, you know, I believe what you put in, uh, you can uh, reap the rewards later on. So if you invest the time and as well as the love and, and, you know, remember, you're, you're guiding someone and, and building their, their whole basis for how their outlook on life is. So I, I think it's really important to spend the time, make it fun, have fun with your kids. And, uh, you know, you've got a great opportunity to uh, end up with some wonderful grown-up kids. Absolutely. And I love how you talked about putting in, putting in the love, putting in the time, putting in a lot of great um, time, energy, love, and effort, and, and getting a great output. And, and I really want to talk about, I, I just want to, right off the top, let's talk about your dog food company, Gentle Giants Dog Food, and all of the great work you're doing your company is doing some phenomenal work with rethinking how we think about food and what we're putting into our pets. And, and I would really love, I think it's astounding, first of all, how many dogs you have, how old they are and they're living. And I would really love for you to walk me through the genesis of starting the company, what led you to do it and what your findings have been so far. Okay. Well, we, first of all, um, my wife and I moved to our new home, that we've now been in for uh, 30 years here. Uh, and uh, it's uh, at the time we did, we um, had our daughter and who was um, about three years old at the time. And we decided we wanted to get her a dog. You know, it's a great companion for kids growing up to have a dog. Right. Uh, and uh, I had had great Danes. My wife had had Irish wolfhounds and, we, uh, we heard about a Great Dane that needed to be rescued. It was in a home that the people were traveling and actually was left outside. 
and the neighbor was feeding it and then he ran out of money and he couldn't feed it and it you know so we kind of swooped in there and we rescued that great dane and we heard of other ones that needed rescue as well um whereby they were in people's homes they hadn't yet gone to animal shelters but uh so we thought that some of those other ones would be safe you know that oh they'll find a home for the dog and it was a couple of weeks later when we heard that all the dogs that we didn't take uh were actually given up to shelters because the people had to get rid of them couldn't find somebody to take them they went into the shelter and they were put to death hmm. because there's just not enough room in animal shelters for dogs right and in some of these animal shelters the people that drop off the dog it's sad to say that they actually kill the dog before the people leave the parking lot hmm. it's it can it's pretty brutal yeah and it's not that the people are bad at the shelter they have no choice there's no room there's too many homeless pets and not enough people rescuing them. So when we heard that all these gentle giants, because that's what Great Danes are, and most of these giant breeds, believe it or not, the bigger they are, the more gentle they are. And these gentle giants are such sweet animals. And we, I, I said to my wife, Tracy, this is back in 1994, I said, we can't let these dogs die. How about just for a couple of weeks, just so we find somebody else to take this over let's just you know let's rescue these dogs that are going to go to the shelter these great danes and and the reason why we had picked great danes is first we wanted a great danes but but then we found out there there was a person who had been rescuing them but she had died recently at the time oh. so now there was nobody rescuing them and they were all being put to death these big gentle goofy loving dogs yeah and so my wife tracy said yeah, okay and so we thought, okay, we'll start taking them. Well, let me just tell you, by the end of August of 1994, three weeks later, we had 102 Great Danes at our house. Wow. And we had 62 puppies under seven weeks of age that we weren't breeding. We never would breed anything, but we were rescuing litters from animal shelters where, where they say, you know, we, we got to get these uh, puppies out of here because, you know, sometimes shelters have, you know, illnesses that, and you know, puppy needs a really safe environment. And uh, then there were people that didn't plan on having litters, didn't have their dogs spayed or neutered, and all, all of a sudden they have an unexpected litter and they don't know how to care for it. So here we were, 102 Great Danes, 62 puppies under six weeks of age. And uh, my wife, Tracy, wasn't getting any sleep because <laughs> we would bring a mother in with her litter in our kitchen because uh, all these dogs are house dogs. You yeah. know, pe people... They're outside. They're not. They're house dogs. And uh, they, they will actually, it shortens their life if you put them outside wow. as much as 50%. Wow. So we would have these dogs in our kitchen and she would handle one litter. And you really have to be careful. I mean, when, and with Great Danes, the, the mothers, uh, the dogs are so big and the puppies are so small that if they get up like they need to go outside to go to the bathroom, they can accidentally step on, step on a puppy and kill it. Oh, wow. So you got to make sure they don't do that. Right. And you got to make sure that when they're nursing, one doesn't get off and just, and, you know, and where it doesn't get the mother's milk. And, oh, my gosh, this is a real job. And when you had seven different litters, she was getting no sleep. Yeah. She was having to sleep on the floor, floor in the kitchen while the puppies were nursing their mother. Right. Anyway, uh, that was the genesis of the whole thing. And uh, by the way, it's now been 25 and a half years. <laughs> We're still waiting for somebody to come take this over. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're patient people, but I don't know, you know, 25 and a half years, 15,500 dogs later that we rescued, uh, everyone would have been put to sleep if we hadn't been there to save their life. Everyone, we gave food, shelter, law, complete medical cares. Some of the dogs where we spent tens of thousands of dollars on critical operations to save their life. We've brought dogs in from all over the world, uh, you know, in, in the past, uh, rescuing from other countries and from all over the U.S., different cities. We used to have transports from Northern California to Southern California every week. Wow. And we were adopting anywhere from 20 to 50 dogs a week. We were doing 50 surgeries a week, spays and neuters. And that turns out to be 2500 a year. And we were spending hundreds of thousands of dollars of our money to, uh, you know, for these dogs. 
and uh, it was all charity. We, even though there was a small adoption fee, we we never took any money from it. it. Was really only going towards the cost of feeding and caring for these dogs. Right. And we feed then and now, still, you know, twenty twenty five and a half years of feeding six hundred pounds of our gentle giants dog food every day, 600 pounds a day at a cost of $14,000 a month. Wow. But coming back to the dog. So what happens, they would drop off these great games and then, then something unique happened that people that had to give up their dogs, they'd hear about us. So they, you know, drive on over and they'd say, here's my great Dane. And uh, here's uh, well, I have this other greyhounds and I guess I'll take them to the shelter They've been they've been raised together, but I'll take him to the shelter. As, well, I guess he'll be put to sleep. And then like, Tracy and I would look at each other and say, "Well, no, wait a minute, you don't do that," you right. know. Right. <laughs> so all of a sudden, now we had greyhounds, and one thing led to another, and we actually now have forty-five different breeds of dogs. Wow. There's only a hundred and sixty-four breeds acknowledged by the American Kennel Club <laughs> as existing. We have 45, which is about a third. Wow. I think my wife has redefined Great Dane. If it has four legs and a tail, it must be a Great Dane. <laughs> yeah. So in any event, we here we are caring for these dogs. But traditionally, giant breed dogs, the larger the dog, the shorter the lifespan. Right. And we would adopt these dogs. And the ones that we didn't were only living seven to nine years. And I'm telling you, if we lost a dog, oh, it devastated my wife just devastated us emotionally i mean we sobbed and these are such sweet gentle animals that we vowed that if there was a way if there was a way we'd try to find whatever we could do to help them live longer healthier happier lives and we first developed the feeding and care program because imagine if you had 50 or more dogs in your house and you know we started with like over 100 but i mean we got down to where we were just over about 50 at all times, 24-7, 365, every single day, every night for 25 and a half years. <laughs> I mean, let yeah. me tell you something. You learn. Right. And we have the greatest experience that, you know, I mean, every possible thing that could get a dog sick or whatever has happened or harm a dog. or I mean, we've. I can't tell you how many nights that – uh, other fellow actors were out going to parties and, and four or five nights a week, Tracy and I are in animal clinics, you know, trying to do whatever we could with the vets to save their lives. I mean, it's, it was the real thing, you know, and it, it, it kind of gets me a little bit because they have these, they, these celebrities that, that are saying, Oh, I'm involved with rescue. Well, what does that consist of? Oh, right. going to the parties, and, you know, having the drinks and the hors d'oeuvres and talking about dogs. And I, I mean, but we were the place where the dogs really came. Right. This is this was the place of last resort before the shelter. And this was also the place where we developed relations with shelter managers who would call us and say, you know, this really sweet dog just came in. And, you know, there's a lot of barking in shelters because dogs are frightened. Right. And by the way, if you, you if you listen, Joe, you don't hear anything. I was going to say, yeah, dogs around. that's right. <laughs> And our dogs are all trained not to bark unless they sense danger. Right. They all get along. We we have our website, GentleGiantsDogFood.com. And right. any of your listeners that go get a chance and go visit our, our dog uh, food website, uh, the first thing they'll see is an 11-minute video in slow motion of my wife, Tracy, and I in bed with 50 of them. Yes, okay, yes. Now, now, there's 50 in that room. And, you know, the camera angle is only so wide, so they're in and out, right. but they're all over the bed. And it's the real thing. You know, it's not photoshopped. It's a video, you know. Yeah. And uh, so in any event, we, 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 when we lost one, we, would, we figured out a way how we feed and care for them is different than, than what other people traditionally do for dogs. So any of your listeners that get a chance, they should go to GentleGiantsDogFood.com. And there's a menu at the top of every page. And one of the menu items is special feeding and care program. Yes. Now, that took my wife, Tracy, and I 25 years of our life to learn what your listeners can read or, and learn in less than 25 minutes. Wow. I mean, it's really powerful. Yeah. And, and if you follow what we've spent all these years learning, you know, you should get the same results. 
that we've gotten and which can add anywhere from three to four years on average to every dog's life. That's incredible. Three to four years. And, and <clears throat> so that was one thing. And, and part of it also is the quality of their life. We have dogs here now with our food, which I'll tell you about in a minute, but we have dogs living up to 27 and a half years. Wow. Healthy. Wow. Running around like puppies in their mid-20s. In fact, I've got one 25-year-old dog, okay, in this room with me. And what we do is our dogs, we have doggy doors, and they can go in and out all day long. I mean, it's just all day in and out, okay? Uh, and uh, But at night, before my wife and I go to bed, uh, I want to bring everybody in, you know? Right. And uh, I've got this one 25-year-old. Everybody comes in except Bella. And Bella plays a game with me, which is chase me and see if you can catch me, <laughs> which she basically is saying to me. And, and you know, we've had either – I mean, now we're having much warmer weather, but we were having nights. It was rainy and cold. And I'm out there in the cold chasing a 25-year-old dog <laughs> that can run so fast that I can't catch her. Right. And she is having the time of her life, and I'm not having fun. Right. I'll be honest with you. I'm not having fun. But she doesn't know that. Right. She thinks it's a game. And because we do it every night, she never forgets to do it every night, you see. Yeah. And uh, so in any event, it's, but, but the fact is, this is a 25-year-old dog. Yeah. This is a dog that runs around like a puppy at 25 years of age. And uh, and so what happened was we got our, our feeding care program to a point, and then we decided the only other thing we knew that we could do would be to make the food. Right. Now, you, now our food is sold in stores all across the country like Walmart and Target and online and, you know, Walmart.com, Chewy.com, PetSmart.com. All the majors sell our food. We never intended to sell dog food. We made the finest food we could make because we couldn't stand to see our dogs dying so young. Right. Can't stand it. And when we went to make the food, because my wife and I had been very successful in business, that we could afford to spend whatever we wanted to make the finest dog food in the world. And we did. And when we made this food, though, we, we had the... I guess a limited expectation that maybe we can pull out another year. You know, if sure. if the best quality of this and that, maybe another year we can get, maybe a year and a half if we get lucky. Well, we found out something that was so upsetting to us, Joe. Mm -hmm. It changed our lives forever. So let me tell you what we found, and your listeners should know this. And here's what it is. All the dog food companies know something the average person doesn't know, which is... The more fat content you put in dog food, the hungrier it makes dogs. Mm. In my opinion, it's all about money. Yeah. It isn't for us because we take no salary from this. Right. So it doesn't matter whether we sell a bag or a million bags. We're not going to be getting anything from it. The satisfaction we get is that we are having dogs living double their normal lifespan. In some cases, even triple. And families who love their dogs are finding they're able to keep their dogs an extra five or 10 years or longer with them. Wow. In the case of our own daughter, Melody, she, we, she, she wanted an American Eskimo, which we got her. She was a year and a half. And uh, Samantha, the dog that we got for her, was six months old. She's had that dog over 20 years. Wow. Now, now let's take a look at, since you appeal to families, Let's take a look at what happens to the typical family. They think, what a great thing for my child to grow up with a dog. And they're right. Yes. But what is what really happens? The average dog only lives seven to eight years. Yeah. Maybe a little longer in some cases. And that child, that by that time that child is 10 or 11 years old, dog is gone. Yeah. And now parents are trying to explain death to a 10-year-old child. Yeah. That, no, that, that's not what we envisioned. Our daughter has had her dog for over 20 years. In addition, when she was four years of age, since we had the rescue, she insisted on these two Great Dane puppies that were literally born in our kitchen. And uh, they were uh, they were six months old, and, and our daughter was four years at the time. And we have pictures of all this. My wife is a photographer, avid photographer. 
She's not a professional, but she, she likes to take photos. We have pictures of our daughter growing up for more than 20 years with the same dogs. Wow. Now, dogs, as a tiny puppy, look very different, and as a very old dog, look different. But most people can't tell a six-year-old dog from an eight-year-old dog, right? Right. You, you just can't really tell the difference. But humans, oh, yes, <laughs> you can tell the difference <laughs> big time. Yeah. So on our bag, we have images of our daughter with her when she, my daughter was a year and a half with her six-month-old Esco, uh, American Eskimo, and right next to that is my daughter at 21 and a half with Samantha at 20 years of age, over 20 years with the same dog. Next to that is our daughter with at four years of age with two Great Dane puppies, four months old. 17 years later is the next picture with my daughter with the same Great Danes with the same matching markings. Now, you need to understand, a Great Dane's average lifespan is seven to nine years. So at 17 years of age, these Great Danes had already lived more than twice right. their normal lifespan. Okay, That's and the incredible. quality of life of our dogs is so great. So I was telling you about the fat in dog food. And if your listeners, all they have to do, if they've got a dog, go, go look at the bag of dog food. And what they want to look for is usually on the back of the bag or the side of the bag. And it is a chart required by federal law that sits next to the ingredients, and it's called guaranteed analysis. And most people don't know what that means, but first item in that guaranteed analysis is protein. The second is crude fat. And that's the words they use, crude fat. They don't say healthy fat because it isn't. It's saturated fats. It's the bad fats. And what your listeners are going to find out if they – look in the back of their back in dog food and it doesn't matter if it's the cheapest grocery store food or the most expensive pet store food it doesn't matter what they're going to find is the fat content in their dog's food is anywhere from 12 to 22 percent crude fat wow that's a huge amount of fat our fat content because we don't add excessive fat our fat content is what's naturally in the food which is like 9%. Right. And so that's one thing. But there's actually something, and that's shortening dogs' lives. Right. Because if you, I don't know if you remember the movie about 10 years ago called Supersize Me. Yes. Where Morgan Spurlock went into a McDonald's in Ohio. He ate every meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a snack for a month. He gained 55 pounds. He almost died. Okay. And because the, the, you gain weight without nutrition with zero calories, I mean, no, no benefit to this, the fat in food. Anyway, that movie, Supersize Me, is exactly the problem that's happening with dogs for all these years. That's why you don't hear about dogs living as long as our dogs. Right. We didn't discover the fountain of youth. Believe me, if we did, I'd be drinking from right. it, okay? <laughs> but what we're doing is we're not prematurely killing dogs. Right. In other words, we don't put a ton of fat in the food. And the, the thing that's even more serious, the most serious is we, and we suggest people go to your go pick up a few kibbles of your dog. Food. A lot of people won't even handle the food in their hands because they can tell there's something wrong. Mm. And if people go pick up their dog food in their fingers and rub it, then put the dog food kibbles down and rub their fingers together. They feel that slightly greasy feeling. That slightly greasy feeling is animal fat. It was sprayed on top of the food after all the fat was put on the inside. Now they put more fat on the outside, all with one goal. Get the dog to eat more, okay, and they'll be hungrier and they'll sell more dog food. That's yeah. the goal, okay? And, uh, and, and I think that's, it's, it's terrible, but yeah. here's, how, here, here's why dogs can't live as long as ours that are eating other dog foods. And it's because if you think about it, would you ever take a – can of bacon grease a full can and pour it down your garbage disposal no. in your house you'd never do that because you know everybody knows that unlike water that evaporates animal fat coagulates and hardens and once that animal fat hardened in your garbage disposal forget it it's like cement right. you'd never get it out you'd have to buy a new garbage disposal so what is my point the point is this that when you realize that animal fat 
will ruin a metal garbage disposal. What do you think is happening to the arteries and intestines of dogs when every single kibble of other dog foods, when every single kibble is encapsulated in animal fat? And on top of that, not only is it encapsulated in animal fat, but what's happening to their dog's arteries? What's happening to their intestines? You know, the intestines receive the food from the stomach that's been to be distributed throughout the body to bring nutrition. But if you block the intestines, nutrition can't flow as freely. And so what happens? Well, what happens is the dog ages faster. That's what happens. Right. So all of these things together, and, and we've also, I mean, we've taken the nth degree. For example, we designed our food so that dogs eating our food actually eat a third less of our food. Oh, wow. And you say, well, why would you do that? Well, because the 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 way we have dogs running around like puppies in their 20s is just like, imagine, if where you lived, you had a drought. The government would probably impose some kind of water rationing or where you, you know, conserve water. Right. Well, realize that dogs' bodies wear out much faster than human bodies. So what we've done is that we've created a way to slow down the loss of that life energy that that dog has, to conserve the energy so that the, our dogs are in their 20s running around like puppies because they haven't, you know, they haven't used up that energy. They haven't right. burned it out. And we have ways of doing that, such like raising the dog's food and water bowls and elevating them so that they only tilt their head down. And people say, well, why do you do that? Well, I said, think of it this way. If your dog has to lean down to get food or water, then they come up and then go back for more up and down and up and down. You're wearing your dog's body. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and then think of this also. You know, you hear about people's dogs. Oh, my dog is overweight. Well, first of all, the fat content in the food causes that. But secondly, when people only feed their dogs once or twice a day, that is incredibly bad for the dog. That shortens their life. It makes the animal hungry because it's got to wait 12 hours to get food. And then when it eats, it eat everything up because it's so worried it's got to wait another 12 yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very stressful on the dog. Plus, since over half of the dogs in America are overweight, um, and if you listen to the, any of these diet, you know, these shows, they say, oh, well, you take this diet program, you eat six times a day. Well, there's a reason for that because – if you eat smaller, more frequent meals, the body burns off the energy, uh, and it takes less energy to uh, to use up to burn off the fat that's mm-hmm. in the body, you know, and digest the food. So all of these things work together, and what we've done is that we've created this program that our dogs, in fact, right now, of the more than 50 that we have in our house, I would say about 60% of them have already lived more than twice their normal lifespan. That's incredible. Right here in That's my home. Incredible. I absolutely And every love dog's that. in the same program. And and our dog food, Gentle Giants, is different from all the foods. It's not full of fat on the inside. It's not greasy on the outside. It's all natural, no chemicals, no preservatives. And we've made it available. And because we don't take anything from the food, we don't take any sale money from this food, it actually retails for about half the price of what you would pay for a, an all-natural dog food in a pet store. So our motto has become half the price and twice the life. That's and that's amazing. this general giant dog and puppy food. And we're and by the way, in two months, we'll have out our, our cat food. I'm so okay? excited for that. And, and But I'll tell you why we're doing it. Because we're experts with dogs, but we're not experts with cats. However, something has 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 created the need for us to put out our cat food and that is this last year we lost two of our cats they died one of them was 31 years old the other was 32 years old wow Wow. guess what they were eating guess what they were eating Uh, our dogs that's incredible yeah now cats do need extra protein and there's some other things they need so where we kept our cats we had you know, bowls of, you know, regular cat food. But we also put our dog food and, you know, three to one. I mean, 75% of the food that was eaten was our dog food, only 25% of the cat food. So then we went in and we have the top 
nutritionists in the country we have access to and we had them use our our dog food which we already know that they love the taste of as the basis for developing a super quality cat food and it'll be out in two months so this way if you have a cat you also can add years to your cat's life by feeding our food i love that i've got three and i've already earmarked it for uh for buying as soon as it hits shelves i'm extremely excited for that and and I just want to commend you for doing, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where you play the superhero on TV and you're actually a superhero in real life. And I just think it's absolutely fantastic. We're going to put all of the links for GentleGiantsDogFood.com in the show notes on the website. Go right to it. Order it right now. It's fantastic. Um, and Bert, I, I want to... I wanna, dig into some of that superhero on, on TV as well. Um, sure. I know that when you auditioned for the role of Robin back in the 60s, there had been a number of different actors that had come up for the part. And uh, you have kind of a unique story for how you approach the role. Can you can you go ahead and walk us through what it was like auditioning for the role of Robin and then just kind of getting started and doing screen tests with Adam West and what that whole process was like for you? Okay. Well, what happened was... I was studying to be an actor. I wanted to be an actor. I was studying both at UCLA, where I was going to the university, and I was also studying professionally with professional coaches. Okay, but I hadn't done anything. And my father was a prominent real estate broker in Beverly Hills, and I would help my dad by uh, what they call sitting on a house, which means you're really just there when they have open houses so that you can show people around if they have questions, answer sure. the questions, give them a brochure, whatever. And uh, uh, one of the people that came to look at a house and bought one of the houses my father was selling was a famous film producer. And I asked him if he would be willing to watch me do a scene. And I did a scene for him. And he was very nice. And he said to me, well, I'll tell you what, Bert, um, let me send you to an agent, you know, because that's really the only way you can get any work in this town. I said, okay. So he sends me to an agent who the first thing this agent says to me, well, I can't even get work for the actors I've got. You know, I would never take another actor. I would never take you if it wasn't for this producer. And don't expect to work for a year. And if you do get a, a, a job, you'll have maybe one line to say. And that's what you can look forward to right. at best. Okay. Wow. But that wasn't very encouraging. Well, it so happens that. A couple weeks after that, I get a call from the same agency. Some lady there says, oh, there's something going over at 20th Century Fox. Uh, and I said, what is it? And they said, we don't know what it is. Just go over there tomorrow. We got you an appointment at 430. And, you know, you'll be there with all the other people. And, you know, you can get a chance to interview for the part, whatever it is. I said, okay. So the next day I went over there. It was 430 in the afternoon. And they directed me to where to park. And then I walked to this bungalow. And I went in, and somebody looked up and said, um, "Okay, and who are you?" Well, I'm, you know, my name is Bert, and I'm here for this part. Uh, there's a part that I'm supposed to interview for, and so they said, "Okay, well, let, let me introduce you to the casting director." So the cast, I, I was introduced to the casting director, went in his office, and uh, had a couple of questions. He said, "Would you like to meet the executive producer?" I said, "Sure." Well, you have to understand. I didn't had never gone on an interview before, and I didn't realize that you normally don't get to meet the executive. Sure. <laughs> but I didn't know that, right? right? So I said, sure, I figured everybody got to meet him. Right. So then I go in to meet the executive producer, and again, because I hadn't been knocked around, and so many actors are so rejected. I mean, it just right. I can see why. <laughs> when they finally get a role, they're like a demon because they're – you know, the world is so mistreated them, you know. Right. But but in any event, I had been mistreated. So I walked right in, and this was William Dozier, who was uh, formerly a vice president at CBS, and he created the whole Hallmark uh, line of, of movies of the week, and very, very experienced professional. But I just went in as a bright-eyed kid, and I said, hello, sir, and I shook his hand firmly. And <laughs> he was taken aback that I was so kind of like aggressive but in a nice way you know right <laughs> and he looked at me he says well you're kind of big for this part i said oh but sir i promise you i won't grow anymore <laughs> and he laughed like like how can you stop growing right. you know what i mean and, yeah. and uh you know he said well he said would you like to do a screen test i said sure 
right? I mean, I figured right. everybody got to do it. Right, of course. Well, that's not true either, <laughs> okay? But I didn't know that. Right. So anyway, uh, a couple of weeks later, uh, I, I had a chance to go over, and the first thing I did, they wanted to see uh, some physical stuff because whatever this character was, it was going to be physical. And I was a brown belt in karate at that time. Karate had only come into the United States about six years earlier. That's right. And I had been studying that. Yeah, this and this is now 1960. Five, okay. When it, it had come in, I think 1959 mm -hmm. into the U.S. Anyway, so uh, and I had been studying, and so uh, I did some falls and stuff like that, and broke a board with my hand. And then uh, I had a scene to do with, and they said introduce me to this actor, Adam West. And uh, so I sat down, and this is like 15 minutes before we had the screen test. Uh, he was handed a piece of paper, and all, and so was I. And and on the piece of paper. It just had like the names Bruce and Dick. It didn't say anything about Bruce Wayne. Right. It didn't say anything about Batman. It didn't say anything about Dick Grayson. It was just dialogue between Bruce and Dick, right? Right. And and, and it, just a couple of lines, and uh, and so um, and, and there was nothing revealing about this. This was in Wayne Manor, but I didn't say Wayne Manor. Right. It's just a you know a, a, a stairway there you know in somebody's house that's what the set looked like so i did my stuff and and, and by the way when I, I first sat down and i actually ran some lines with adam you know where he said it and i said it and you know in five minutes the two of us instantly became friends <laughs> and we were laughing within five minutes and never stopped laughing for over 50 years that's awesome. i mean we just got along great we we were really good friends anyway we did the scene and i think you know, I thought, well, thank you very much to everybody, and I'm starting to leave. They said, wait a minute, wait a minute, uh, where are you going? And I said, well, I'm finished now. I guess I'll leave. So, oh, no, 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 you're not finished. You need to go over to the end of the soundstage, way over there, and there's a dressing room there with two wardrobe men who are going to help you get dressed. And I stopped <laughs> for a second. I said, well, you know, no disrespect, but I'm perfectly capable I'm dressing myself. Right. Oh, you don't know. You just go over there. You go into that dressing room. You'll see. You'll see, right? So right. I'm wondering, as I'm walking across this gigantic, cold soundstage, walk and walk and walk forever to get to the other end. And uh, the dressing room is lit on the inside. I go in, and there's two men there. And then they have this, it looks like a giant couch. But it's like twice as long as it, it's huge. It's like a the whole length of a dressing of, of a trailer, you know, right. camper trip. Anyway, and on, on this stuff are these clothes. I mean, it's just everything, just ton of stuff. And I said to the guys, I said, "Am I going to put some of this on?" And they said, "No, you're going to put all of it on." <laughs> I said, "What?" <laughs> anyway, they helped me get dressed into the most uncomfortable thing in my entire life. <laughs> I had never been so uncomfortable. Everything was bothered by it. The mask bothered my eyelashes. The tights itched my leg. The T-shirt fit on me, but the wool vest on top of it, the wool, the wool poked through my T-shirt onto my chest, made me oh. scratch my chest. The yellow cape pulled my head back. It was so heavy, double-thick bridal satin. Oh, my God. So thick that it pulled my head back, and I had to consciously lean forward and tilt my head down. In order to keep straight, I mean, the shoes hurt my feet. There wasn't anything that wasn't painful about this experience. Right. Plus, I could barely walk in this contraption. I mean, I hobbled <laughs> to the door, okay, to go out of this dressing room. Okay, then I, my God, I had to, I had the horrible thought I was going to walk all the way across right. that giant soundstage <laughs> when all I could do was hobble, right? Right. And, 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 I remember one thing, though, as I was leaving the dressing room, I turned to these two guys and I said, look, you know, I said, the, the only good news here is that in another 20 or 30 minutes, I'll never have to wear this costume again. <laughs> Famous last word. Right. <laughs> and even in the costume, I had no idea what it was. You see, where I grew up, there were, weren't any Batman comics, or at least I never saw any Batman comics or Robin Right. I mean, there were Superboy comics and Superman, but not Batman. Never heard of it. So when I get up there in this crazy costume, and then I see Adam West, and he's got a weird costume on, I'm saying to myself, 
what is this? Is this some kind of outer space thing? Right. Is this some kind of period piece or something? <laughs> what is this? I had no idea. And of course, nobody told me anything. Right. Right. So anyway, I, I, I do the screen test. And boy, I'll tell you, I was glad to get out of there. I was exhausted, physically drained, mentally drained. And I left. And then uh, I didn't hear anything for about a week. And I started getting these phone calls from somebody at this 20th Century Fox studio. Oh, uh, uh, are you Burt Ward? Yeah. What's your hat size? <laughs> well, I don't wear a hat. Well, go get your head measured. <laughs> well, where do I go to get my head measured? Right. You know what I mean? Go to a tailor. Oh, all right. You know. And and then what's your shoe size? Well, I have seven and a half. Okay. Well, what's the width? Well, I don't know. Well, go get your feet measured. <laughs> you know, yeah. all of this stuff. And I and I'm doing all this, and I'm wondering. Geez, I don't know. Does everybody have to get all this stuff? Right. Well, why are they asking me all these questions? You know, yeah. and I hadn't heard anything. And at, after six weeks of this on and on, six weeks go by, I get a call from these agents and say, okay, well, it's time to come on in and sign contracts. And I said, wow, <laughs> great. Now this agency is going to formally represent me, right? Right. I mean, now I can legally say I have a, a Hollywood agent. Right. Right. Well, I go in there and I sit down and there's big, thick contracts and I look at them and I say, wait, wait a minute. This must be wrong. This is 20th Century Fox on it. it. doesn't say your agency on it. They said, no, no. These are your studio contracts. I said, what contracts? They said, you got the part. You know that, right? No, I didn't know. <laughs> Get the part. Oh, you mean the studio didn't tell you? No, no, nobody at this wardrobe men didn't tell me anything. They just <laughs> called to ask about and and then when I finally got to the people at the studio, they said, You mean your agents didn't tell you? No, no, nobody told me. You know? Yeah. Nobody had told me. I had that part for four of the six weeks and had no idea. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh my goodness. So so, so anyway, uh, uh, uh so then I have then they call, they called me in to have a meeting again with the executive producer. Uh, and the production people and I, I go there and I, you know, a little bit nervous because you know I don't know what I'm supposed to do or exactly. You know, this is my first role. Okay, didn't even know if it was a big role or not. Okay, uh, I just didn't know. Okay, and so I go in there and then the executive producer, the same guy, William Dozier, he says to me, Bert, he said, you know, we interviewed 1,100 other young actors for this role, and we decided to pick you. Wow. Would you like to know why? I said, yes, sir, I would. He said, because in our mind, forgetting television, if there really was a Robin, I mean, like the real thing, we think you, as you are, would be it. So we don't want you to, quote, act. We only want you to do two things, be yourself and be enthusiastic. Well, God, I'm bundling with enthusiasm. Right. That wasn't very hard to do, right? <laughs> right? And being myself wasn't very hard to do either. So that's what I did for 120 episodes. And because Batman was such a complex show with all the effects, my gosh, we had a crew of 80 people on the crew instead of 30. Wow. Because there were so many special effects and explosions and gas and this and that. All of these things that made Batman so entertaining but it was also some complex that the, the the director and all the people there on the set were pretty much occupied with these effects. And so when it came time for Adam and I to do our scenes together, I never had one director. We had 32 different directors. I never had one tell me how to say my line. They might say, oh, well, you and Batman are in the Batcave here, and uh, or you and Batman are in the Batmobile and you're getting ready to move out. Or you're standing over here by these this atomic pile and, and getting stuff out of the computer. I mean, all of that kind of stuff. That's all they said. The dialogue and the and it was left to Adam and I. And the two of us, because we had this instant, you know, I guess uh, whatever you want to call it, where we could work together just so well. Right. The chemistry. That, yeah. Um, yeah. That chemistry was so good. So Adam and I would do our lines and and we would get it almost every time on the first take and uh wow. and they'd say oh that's great you know i mean gosh man man you're right you know things like yeah. that and and which at that time it was so funny because 
people my age at that time, they were so anti, they were so rebellious against their parents. Okay. <laughs> Nobody would ever say to their parent or mentor, gosh, you're right. It wasn't cool to do that. Right. right? Yeah. Of course, my character did do that. And everything was written as a spoof. So for kids, it was the hero worship. For the adults, it was the nostalgia of the comic book. And for the teenagers and college kids who didn't want to be inside watching television, they wanted to be in their, you know, hot rod cars cruising the, uh, you know, the the outdoor uh, restaurants, you know, on a Friday night right. trying to pick up girls or something. Anyway, um, there was something for everybody. Our, our double meanings and our suggestive things that we did, Adam and I, I mean, it just pulled in a whole audience of people. I mean, a very broad audience. I love it. So anyway, we had this wonderful thing. And, and I do remember things like, you know, the thing where, like, where I have my my fist, I hit my fist in the palm. You know what I mean? Right. Nobody yeah, yeah, told yeah. me to do that. I just did that. I felt that was right. And and as an example with the Batmobile, sometimes I would open the door and get in. Sometimes I'd jump over the door. Sometimes we'd pull up to a stop and I'd stand up on top of the door and walk on the fin out to the back of it. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that George Barris, who built the car, along with three of the people that were trying to keep it clean and, and running, were having were nearly hysterical <laughs> behind the cameras. They couldn't dare talk watching me walk on the fins of their of their Batmobile that I could have scuffed up or whatever. Oh, my God, they were going nuts. I didn't know that. <laughs> right. I just did what I thought was right. And it just worked amazing. And the chemistry with Adam and I was phenomenal. And it just took off. And and the show took off. And everything was so bat this and bat this. And it was the number one and number two show in the entire world. We were on twice a week. We had a cliffhanger where, you know, it was like on that, that, that first show, you know, Will Robin survive? Will Batman get there in time? Right. Tune in tomorrow. Same bat time. Same bat channel. Right. Okay. And oh my God, everybody loved it. It it was it was one of the first shows in color. The color was spectacular. Yes. The the theme song, the Batman theme song, kids went nuts for. The the hero worship, riding in that Batmobile, climbing walls, fighting heinous villains. And, you know, we had all this dialogue that was really very cleverly written that was very serious for the kids, but very funny for the adults. There was a scene that in a Joker show where all of a sudden we're confronted with a Joker's villains. And I turned to Batman. I said, Batman, there's eight of them against two of us. Odds in our favor. Okay. Right. Because <laughs> there was only eight of them. Right. 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 Instead of like. Thirty of them, right, 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 <laughs> and and uh, you know it, it it was just it was just fun and crazy and uh, but I didn't know that at the time I was making it. You see, when you're actually doing a show, you don't see all of it that's put together until it's finished. So all I could remember was sit around and wait for forty five minutes while they're lighting a, sh a shot. Go in and work for thirty seconds. When wait forty five minutes, work thirty seconds. Forty five minutes, then work thirty seconds. You know. Yep. And and that was that was it. But when I saw it on that opening night, uh, January twelfth, nineteen sixty six, and oh my gosh, the effects on that show was just absolutely phenomenal. The color, the pows, the zaps, the every aspect of that show. The villains costumes everything was just amazing i absolutely love that i i've got to ask you and i think this is this is so cool in my mind i was i was going through this and i realized you know you were just recently in the the major cw superhero crossover crisis on infinite earths you had a great role right. in that and then you were also in the first major superhero crossover when the green hornet and kato crossed over to batman so i really wanted to get your perspective working on that first crossover and then with actors such as bruce lee and then also now in most recent crossover what that was like kind of comparing and contrasting those two well, it, it so happened that Bruce Lee and I all lived in the same cluster of condominiums, <laughs> and we knew each other. And and I was a by that time I was a black belt in karate, and 
he, you know, was probably the most famous martial artist in cinema in, in the entire world. He yeah. became, you know what I mean? Yep. And I used to spar with Bruce Lee. And, you know, that's the fighting where you pull the punches. Right. So I knew how fast he was. I knew exactly, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I trained with him. I yeah. mean, so uh, it what, what is a kind of a, a, a piece of trivia for your listeners is that, you know, of course, Bruce Lee became the most famous in the world in martial arts on, on, in, on cinema. But his very first fight scene of his career on film was fighting me on Batman. That's so cool. Yeah, and and they had us pull punches, and they didn't want to make it too realistic, you know. Because on Batman, remember, this is still as a family program. There's right. never any blood, never any real, you know, bruising. You know, you, you can see where a table gets broken on Batman's head, and two seconds later he's up and he's fighting again. Right. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. You know, things that aren't really real, you know. Yep. But uh, but for for kids, they were fantastic. They loved it. So that's kind of an interesting thing. And and Bruce, I remember when uh, we would we were in the same complex where we lived. Uh, he was married to Linda, and their their son Brandon, who yep. you know became in films and of course tragically died. But Brandon was six months old at the time, and they we'd go down to Chinatown, and because Bruce had lived in Hong Kong for ten years, he knew all the most authentic foods to to order that weren't even on the menu. And oh, it was wow. a, it was a, it was wonderful. It was a great great experience. I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, now coming till today, more recently, uh, I was uh, hired to uh, join uh, the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and that is on five different um, television shows right. that Warner Brothers has on the CW network. There's uh, there's the new Batwoman. Yep. There is a Supergirl. There's Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, there is uh, Flash and then Arrow. Flash, right, and then Arrow, right. Yep. And uh, the all all of them were involved in fighting this, you know, crisis on Infinite Earths, and they gave me this really special, very quick, very quick cameo, but it was right in front of the main titles, right in front of the main titles. I have planned. There are those who say I have schemed. But the time for preparation is past. The crisis is now upon us all. Holy crimson skies of death! And and so um, because of the colors of my costume, I have uh, I've created some characters for our for our dog food, and because our dog food's called Gentle Giants. Well, I have a Great Dane that we call Gentle, and this little dog that looks like a Chihuahua called Giant, right? <laughs> and they both wear their capes, and this is going to be an animated series that we're going to develop for kids and for adults too. Fun, family fun. But in any event, uh, I had also have a character there representing myself, you know, and and the character I can't use the the Robin, um, you know, mask or anything and call it Robin. I wouldn't want to because it all belongs to Warner Brothers, but right. I have the same colors as the costume. So as a civilian, I and and um, Warner Brothers love the sweater of of the character I was going to pr- portray, and so they made up a special sweater with the same colors, with the red and the greens, and the blacks. I mean, everything that was in my costume was in this sweater I wore, and um, and it was so funny when I got up to Vancouver where we were to film. Uh, and we were all set to go. They said, oh, we're going to have you walking a dog. And I said to myself, oh, well, I guess because they know that, you know, we operate the largest giant dog rescue in the world and we're expert handlers, they're going to give me a dog, you know, right. for, for that reason or something, you know. And uh, and they said, yep, and we've got a German shepherd for you. So, well, great, you know, and uh, met the dog, very sweet dog. And uh, but then I, I realized, I said, wait a minute. Where do I? Where in Batman is this German? Sh- there is a German Shepherd, and it turns out that in the comic book there was a German Shepherd who was Ace the Bat Dog. Yes, yes, that's right. But I didn't know that. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, you have to understand. 
I go up there. Nobody tell me I'm working with a dog. Right. And I then when I they handed me the dog, and it's just before you're shooting, you know, you're saying, "Gee, I wonder where they got this idea. Was it because we operate a rescue? Did they make it think that there was some tribute to our, you know, tipping of the hat to the to the dog rescue, or right. what was it? Well, it, but it, I finally figured it out. It was Ace the Bat Dog. It's a tri- tribute to the comic book. That's fantastic. Know? I absolutely yeah. love that. As we're getting ready to, to wrap up and go into the final segment, was there any last piece of trivia or thought that you would like to share with the listeners that we haven't touched on yet real quick? Um, well, I mean, there's tons of things. Sure. I mean, you know, I mean, we did 120 episodes. I worked with some of the biggest stars in Hollywood, and there were so many stars that wanted to be on the show and obviously not enough villain roles that right. they created that scene of walking up the wall where the window would open and there was Sammy Davis Jr. Yes. Or Don Ho or Betty White or Lurch or Colonel Clink or Dick Clark or any number of celebrities that that's the only way that they could get all these people on the show. And everybody was clamoring to be on Batman. It was the hottest show in television history. Love it. Well, we are going to leave it right there and go to my favorite segment of the episode, which is the dad joke of the week. It is a segment where I hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guests in an attempt to get them to laugh uh, while the audience groans. But I can't hear the audience. I can only hear my guests, so it works out. But I do like to put my guest on the spot. And Bert, I got to ask you, do you have any jokes that you would like to offer up first? Um, not really. You mean dad jokes? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they can be dad jokes. They can be good jokes. They can be bad jokes. All any and all jokes um, are welcome. Not, 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 <laughs> not really. I, you know, but, but I enjoy jokes. Don't okay. misunderstand me. But uh, I don't. Uh, I, I don't. I don't tell them for a living. Right. Fair enough. Uh, well, I've got three. They're all Batman themed, and they're quite grown worthy. Okay. So here we go. <clears throat> okay. All right, so Bert, um, this is a little obsolete, but I have to let you know that before uh, COVID-19 and everything, I went to a video store the other day, and uh, right. I, I asked them if I could rent Batman Forever, and they said, no, but you can have it for three nights. Now, there, now that was good. Now, that was good. That, what a pun that was. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, now, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. All right, I got, uh, I got two more for you. Uh, Bert, what, okay. what kind of tea does Batman drink? What kind of tea? What kind of tea? Yes. Uh, let's see. It's not iced tea. Right. It's not, I don't think it's bat tea. Right. So, uh, so I don't know. You tell me. It's vigilante. 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 <laughs> there you go. Right. Now, that is very creative as well. These are really brainy kind of right. uh, puns right. here. They're got... very brainy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I got last one. Last one. Here we go. Uh, Bert, uh, what does Batman spend his money on? Uh, well, he actually, he's very conservative, right? Very conservative. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not sure I've ever seen him pull out his wallet. He's right. Pretty tight. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, there is one thing he spends money on and it's Batmo bills. Batmo bills. Yeah, right. No, there it is. There it is. All right. <laughs> now, now Bert, for listeners that want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them right. to do that? Uh, well, um, because my wife, this is our charity, our, our dog rescue and our dog food is a charity. We spend so much time doing it. Um, if they have Facebook, they could go to, um, our, our Facebook page, which my wife and I operate and that's, uh, gentle giants, uh, dog food and products. And then, or they can come to our, our website, gentlegiantsdogfood.com, And we, we just created a new site for our new cat food. Only got a picture of it, of the bag up there now, GentleGiantsCatFood.com. And uh, uh, actually, for this month, and there's only a little bit left in April, we have a special going on. You see, um, our dog food has just recently gone into the Target stores all across America. And with this very horrible coronavirus that it's been a nightmare trying to uh, promote or advertise anything because our whole country and for that matter seems like the whole world is occupied right. you know dealing with this virus so we haven't been able to promote the fact that general giants is now in all the target stores and 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 i, I will tell you this um you know just like there's been this whole run on paper goods and toilet paper and stuff like that um there is starting to be a run on dog food uh and um in any event 
we wanted to make sure that all of the people who have their dogs that would like to have a chance for their dog to live an extra five or ten years longer could have access to our gentle giants dog food so we're in walmart's but believe it or not uh they can uh, get bought up there pretty quick so we went to target and target said yes but we haven't been able to promote that so a lot of people don't know that gentle giants is involved and in, and and being offered in target so i came up with this promotion that for the month of April, which, you know, is just a few more days, that anybody that went into a Target store and bought a large bag of our Gentle Giants dog food uh, or or the curbside pickup or the Target.com and mail order, anybody that bought one, if they emailed a copy of their receipt uh, to the address on, on the bag, it's my email address, that I would send them free uh, an autographed picture from the television series, which is, it's not just a regular picture. It is uh, incredibly um, high gloss, reflective, metallic uh, paper. And I mean, just, just sparkles. It's suitable for framing that there's a scene that I've actually written in the details of the scene, what we were happening in that episode, where we were at the exact moment that we were filming that. Plus I'm autographing it to people, you know, with whatever thing they like on that, to themselves, to their friends. There's people that are saying, oh, I'm getting married. I'd like you to make it out to the wedding couple and, you know, and that kind of stuff. And so that's a special on. So, and when I would go out to make appearances, um, these big arenas would pay me to come out and do comic cons and they'd pay me quite a bit of money to go there. But what they would do to cover their costs is that they would sell photos of me that I would sign and they would charge a hundred dollars a photo. Um, since Adam is no longer with us, the value of photos has gone up even more. Right. But uh, even, even at that point of what it was before it was still a hundred dollars. So people, if they wanted a souvenir from the TV series with my signature on it, personalized to them or their friends, for just picking up a bag of our dog food, which introduces it in Target stores, um, they can get a hundred dollar gorgeous, uh, you know, photo for autograph, personalized, uh, suitable for framing, just for this month. That's perfect. We will, of course, you know, as we said with everything else, putting the link on the website on the show notes, directing right back to your website. I know I already picked up a copy of the dog food, so I am super excited to get that photo. Everybody needs to get this. The dog food is fantastic. We're supporting a really great cause, which is adding years to your dog's life, adding value to your life, adding value to your family's life, making the world a better place. How can you not love that? It's fantastic. All right. Now, Bert, we need a hashtag as we as we end this episode. Should we go with hashtag gentle giants? Yes. Uh, well, uh, hashtag, you know, gentle giants, dog food.com. Perfect. Uh, you know, what, whatever, I mean, uh, whatever you have in mind, whatever you would like. I mean, and uh, I just want to invite all your listeners to, to go to our website, read what we've spent 25 years of our life learning and, and get the benefit of it. Of, of the expertise that we've developed and and all of your listeners have a chance to add five or ten years yes. to their dog's life and not just in living longer but a much better quality of life our dogs here are so healthy the only time they go to a veterinarian is every three years for a ten dollar rabies update wow. that's how healthy they are and there's no reason that your listeners dogs can't live longer and healthier lives and and can grow up just like with their you know your listeners kids like my daughter grew up you know with her best friend for more than 20 years exactly it's very doable perfect thank you again so much Bert. this has been incredible listeners i'll be back next week with another great episode until then hashtag gentle giants dog food and hashtag be a better dad to the batmobile if you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, 
Thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.